Were creation suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west We hear Christ be magnified
Well, hey church, thanks so much for joining us today. We have the opportunity today to get all of our teaching pastors from our campuses uh, together uh, to talk a little bit about the first Psalm of all the Psalms in the Bible. It's kind of the prayer book of the human race. That's what it's been referred to at times. And so it's gonna be fun today to talk about something that really impacts all of us, that we're all very concerned about that. And we'll jump into that here in just a second. But first, um, I want to give the opportunity for everyone to introduce themselves. I'm Dean, I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint. I do the majority of teaching at the Lewis Center campus and we'll start over here on my left. My name is Corey and I am the teaching pastor at the LifePoint Plain City campus. And I'm Paul, teaching pastor at our LifePoint Marion campus. I'm Ed and I'm the teaching pastor at our campus in Westerville. And my name is Cale, I teach, I'm the teaching pastor at the Delaware campus. And so what we're going to take just a few minutes today to talk about and discuss, um, I hesitate to call it a theology, but more the reality uh, of something that affects all of us, something that we're all very concerned about, is this idea of happiness. Psalm 1 speaks to that, and I'll just uh, read the first three verses to us, and then we're going to spend some time talking about them. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield fruit in his season, and his leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Um, in studying this psalm, uh, when I was in seminary, going through an Old Testament class, the reason this psalm rings to me about this idea of happiness is because one of my professors said when the verse one says, blessed is the man, there are a lot of translations that say happy is the man. There, um, there's a reality of similarity among those words. And so it's so interesting to me that the writer of the Psalms starts out by talking about what it means uh, to deal with the reality of having this sense of whether or not we're blessed or whether or not we're happy, which is always super current event topic um, in our world. So before we talk about what happiness is, um, let's start by talking about what happiness is not. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, it's interesting just when we hear that word happiness, uh, just tied to a lot of circumstances in our lives, whether that's our, our job going well, relationships going well, um, money that we, we have in the bank, or even in our, our day and age today, how many, how many follows did I get today? How many likes did I get today? Or how many views did my, did my video get? And if that's what we're gonna tie happiness to, uh, seems kind of like a moving target um, where it might be probable to be happy today, but it's gonna move tomorrow, it's gonna change tomorrow. What happens when we don't get those likes or those follows uh, that we're, we're hoping to get or the money's not there or the job title's not there. Um, and so uh, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing that um, we may find it for a moment, but lose it the next day. And, and like you said, um, with the psalmist writing about what happiness is not, kind of goes through, Three things there, um, not walking in the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of, of sinners, and not sitting in the seat of scoffers. And I read that and I kind of think of progression, right? Like kind of walking and hanging around and then all of a sudden standing and being a little bit closer and then finally sitting, like you're all in at that point. Like I'm, 
I'm in the middle of the group and I'm not moving. And so um, with, with happiness, um, hey, it's not being around what's ungodly. And it's not flirting with that. It's not hanging out with it. And it's sure not just, just sitting there. And so um, I look at that counsel, what we think about, um, you know, the, the way kind of the way we behave, our behavior, and then that, that seat or where we belong or where we give our allegiance to. And so those are some things to definitely stay away from if we're, if we're searching for happiness. I think, um, I think you bring up a good point about how um, there are so many things that we depend on currently for happiness, right? So happiness is not dependent upon what happens to us. But you bring up another question, like I wonder which of the five of us does have the most social media followers I think Ed. Ed. Probably Ed. Ed. Yeah. 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 Ed. I don't like to brag. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so you mentioned this idea of happiness rooted in our circumstances and sort of the fickle nature of that and the idea that maybe happiness, when we try to root it in um, number of likes on social media, number of followers, entertainment with that we have, how, how do people think about us, how that can feel like such a moving target. And what's really interesting is, um, <clears throat> not only is it a moving target, but socially speaking, the data bears out, we're not really hitting that target, whatever that target is. So there's this thing called the Harris Poll, and um, <clears throat> they do a survey every year. They've done it since 2008, and it's the American Happiness Index, basically asking Americans, how happy are you? And, and I mean, self-disclosure here of like, are you happy? you realize we've never peaked over 35% since 2008. Every single year, actually, it's about the same. Actually, until, uh, until 2020, then it tanked to 14%, right? But from 2008 to 2019, it's between 29 and 35% every single year of Americans saying, like, I'm, I'm happy. And of course, you could ask the question, like, what exactly does that mean? But I find it fascinating that never more than one-third of people in a given year, and then even worse, right, once circumstance change, um, and so you could say a lot about happiness and circumstances with seeing that precipitous decline there, but it's fascinating to me that with, with all of the stuff that we have, I think about marketing in our culture, and it's basically telling you, if you get this thing, you will be content. If you get this relationship, this car, this number of followers, like, you're going to be content, and we have all of that available to us. We have more entertainment at our fingertips, not only than any generation previously, but I don't think generations in the past would have even had a paradigm for understanding how much stuff we have available to us. If you'd have plucked someone from 100 years ago and dropped them today and said, hey, there's this screen you can watch, and you can just type in stuff, or they wouldn't know what type is, and then also like just talk to it, and it'll tell you, it'll bring up anything you want to watch. I don't think people would have even understood what we're talking about, and yet we have all that available to us, and still in any given year, two-thirds of people are saying, I'm not happy. Fascinatingly enough, one of those years, at least 72% of people said, but I'm optimistic about the future, which I find really like uh, kind of funny and paradoxical in the sense that it's like 72% of people are like, but next year it's going to get better, but every year it's the same. We have no reason for being optimistic that the next year, like, we're going to really be happy. And I think what's encouraging to me about Psalm 1, about really the whole teaching of the scriptures, is that 
this happiness and this joy that we're really looking for, it's not found and rooted, not rooted in unchanging circumstances, but in the unchanging God. And I know we're gonna talk about that more, but I, I think about Psalm 16, 11, and it says it a little differently, right? We'll talk about more the, the pursuit of the Lord and in, in delighting in his law, but, but Psalm 16, 11 just says that in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. That in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. And I think sometimes we believe, even as Christians, we tend to have maybe this belief that God invites us to be saved, but also to be miserable. Like, just fall, turn from your sin and become a Christian. You will not have any fun the rest of your life. It's gonna be really boring and miserable, miserable but you get out of hell. So it's like a good trade-off, right? You don't go to hell, you just have to be miserable the rest of your life. And I think we have to ask ourselves, do we believe Psalm 16, 11? Do we believe the teachings of the scriptures that say that deepest satisfaction and joy that we want, that I think we need and are created for, is actually found in, in the Lord? I think you said that, right? You said that, that it shifted to 14, 14% yeah. in twenty. What happened in 2020? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure foggy. out a trend something, as to why, but yeah, <laughs> precipitous decline. Yeah, well, I think both uh, Corey and Kale just speak to what is happiness not, and then also getting to, well, what is happiness like? And the Psalm gives us an answer to that. Just to reread briefly, it says in verse three, he, person that is happy, is like a tree planted by streams of water. And so basically the Bible would say that happiness is like a tree. No further, no, no further explanation needed. It's very clear, right? Um, when I first read that, I was like, I don't know if I understand that. And, and I was thinking about that, and I kept thinking about, well, happiness is like a tree. Like, what in the world does that mean? And I kept thinking of a person. And so I had the opportunity to uh, play baseball in college, uh, which is not as impressive as it might initially sound. Division three, and I was a pitcher, uh, which basically means I wasn't athletic enough to play any other position. And so for all of you guys out there that have been telling your spouse that you were a stud, but you were a pitcher, I'm sorry. Um, did you play softball? I just in, out of curiosity. I, you, I know, no, you, I never. You I were never a softball got, guy, weren't you? No, no, I, <laughs> I've literally never played softball one time. I have a lot of friends who are softball guys, sure. which is can be great <laughs> in all things. I think in moderation, and that is great. Um, but I've been asked, and uh, not as many times as you would think I would be asked. <laughs> Maybe that speaks to my overall Eric. athletic ability. Anyway, all about, that to say about the tree, <laughs> about the tree go on, and happiness. Paul. This is gonna this is gonna come together. I promise. Paul, before you go on, there's a poll that two thirds of softball players are unhappy. Did you think so? so just just letting you know. That. Okay. Go on, go on. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, maybe that's why I didn't play. Anyway, happiness, baseball connection. So I had a coach. Uh, his name is Fody. And so Fody is a bit of a legend. If you're in Delaware, you might know uh, the name Fody. And um, man, every time I would interact with this guy, he would just radiate joy. I mean, every single thing that he did, he would, uh, he was, I don't know, probably in his 50s. And when I spent a lot of time with him, early 50s, he would, he's raking the field, radiates joy. He would do our laundry, radiating joy. I mean, just everything this guy did was joyful. I mean, it absolutely incredible. And it wasn't this like, you can usually tell when somebody's sort of putting on a, a face. It wasn't that. There was something more to Fody. And, and I think in college, I just assumed like, man, this guy just must have a great life. You know, he must have had a, a good life. And, and that's what would lead to this joy. And I ended up learning about Fody's story. And uh, so growing up, he had an incredibly abusive, physically abusive father. And daily, weekly, year after year, after year, after year, they would be physically um, physically beat. And that was Fody's upbringing. 
And so you have this tension between, well, how does that, how do you, how do you have the most joyful person you've ever met with that upbringing? And, and I also learned, um, so Fodi ends up growing up, going to college, uh, got a job, got married. His wife really was pivotal. He, he began a, a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus. And he then, at that point in life, um, he, he was like, I need a relationship with my dad. And so every single Wednesday, he decided, I'm, I'm gonna, and by the encouragement of his wife, he would say, I'm gonna go to my dad's and I'm gonna sit and talk with him. And so Wednesday, on his lunch break, he would go. And he said the first six Wednesdays, his dad cussed him out, threw him off the porch. But he kept coming back. And after six years of Wednesday for lunch, his dad finally looked across the table, looked him in the eye and said, son, I want you to tell me about Jesus. And he accepted Christ right then and there and said, son, I want you to pray for me. And he's like, okay, dad, close your eyes. And he said, no, I want to look at you in the eyes. I want you to pray for me. And he accepted Jesus. It's just an incredible, incredible story. So what does that have to do with a tree? <laughs> so when you think about trees, every tree goes through seasons, right? I mean, every, every tree, unless it's an evergreen, there's always that person who's thinking that. But every, <laughs> it's probably kale. Kale is over there. He's like, what about evergreens? But, you, but you've addressed it You now. didn't think We're about good. that. No, yeah. You're good. But every tree goes through a season, right? If, you know, if we look outside in, in the winter time, there's the leaves have been blown off, the tree has been beaten and battered, and it looks as though it's, it's, as it's dead and it's dormant, it's dying. What the reality is, though, is, is if that tree has deep roots that are planted in deep water, that tree is going to blossom and bloom come the spring. And I think that's true of all of our lives. We're going to go through seasons. We're going to go through times of, of trial and hardship. Our circumstances are going to change. If you look at Fodi's life, that's just a perfect example the hardship that he went through, the battering, literally, that he went through, he had deep roots that allowed him to have a different source of life and a different source of continual and constant happiness. And so, yeah, we can't tie our happiness to our circumstances because it's never going to work. We can't tie our happiness to social media or whatever it is because we're going to, the storm's going to come, it's going to blow that over, and we're going to we're not going to make it. Our happiness has to be rooted in something far deeper, far greater, and living water, namely in Jesus. And, and I think we then still ask, well, okay, well, how do, I, how do I get those roots? How do I get that water? Like, how do I do that? And I think Ed can share a bit about, about that. I, um, as I was reading this, the, the line that stuck out to me, the line one says, you know, blessed is the man, or happy is the man. And that's what we all want, right? So we all want to be happy. And then in verse two, it says, this, is, this happy person, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So I looked up that law, and it basically it's referring to the instruction of the Lord. So think the first five books of the Bible, that's where God reveals his nature, his character, he gives the law. Uh, this isn't someone who just studies the Ten Commandments. This is studying the instruction of the law. This is who God is. That's someone who's happy, who meditates on God and meditates on his instruction. And I was thinking that's backwards because I, I think everyone's intuition is that I'll be happy if I don't have any restraints. If I could just get what I wanted, if I could have that, oh, and maybe that's why they're optimistic because they think they're close to grasping that thing that they're gonna get next year. Oh, if I'm this close to getting it, and once I get it, I'll be happy. But the reality is much different than that. Um, I found that most people who you know, tend to go after one thing after another after another, it doesn't fulfill them, and that leads to even a deeper unhappiness. Yeah. I, um, 
so then how, how would it be opposite? How would it be that you're looking for someone to give you restraint is actually gonna bring you joy? I was having a conversation with a guy, actually met with him for, for several weeks. He was a buddy of mine. He considered himself an agnostic. So he, you know, he kind of maybe believed there might be a God, but he wasn't sure. And I asked him, I said, hey, could you, could you hang out with me? Maybe over the course of a few weeks, I'll buy you lunch and I'll just tell you what Christianity is and maybe you could give me your opinion about it and I'll just kind of give you the basic explanation. He goes, yeah, I'd do that. I said, oh, I'll buy you lunch. He said, great, so that was our deal. And so over the course of four weeks, we met for lunches and they ranged from an hour and a half to two hours every time. And we talked about the origin of the universe. We talked about how you know, everything has been created and there's such design in the macro side of the universe and all the way down to the cellular level. We talked about just design is like a thumbprint of God. We had this whole talk and after he said to me, he goes, you know, Ed, I think I've moved. So what do you mean? He goes, I think there is a God. So then we talked about, over the course of the next three weeks, we talked about morality and how morality is a picture that there's a moral lawgiver. We talked about the Bible itself and how many incredible prophecies have come true. We talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then we talked about Jesus. And we spent a lot of time talking about Jesus, you can imagine. And I talked about the single defining moment of Jesus' life was really the resurrection, right? He died and then came back to life and how that changed all of the disciples. We talked and talked. He asked lots of questions. I went through the whole thing and at the end of it, here's what he said to me. He goes, Ed, based on that, everybody should be a Christian. I said, what about you? He goes, oh, no, 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 not me. I said, why not? He goes, look, man, if, I, if I'm a Christian, I won't be able to drink and have sex. I'm like, that's, I think in people's minds, somehow they believe that God is gonna restrain their life. And if he restrains the thing that they believe is gonna make them happy, then it's gonna kill their, you know, what did you say that we're gonna be miserable until we're, until we're dead? Yeah. And yet it's absolutely the opposite. The most happy people I've ever met in my life are people who seem to have deep roots. Yeah. They seem to meditate on what God has said. It's like they believe somehow that this God of the universe has their best interests in mind. Yeah. And the more they invest in that relationship, it's like it frees them from some of those restraints that they were projecting onto their mind and they become free to follow God. Now, I wish I could just give people like the blue pill or the red pill, like, and they would just understand it, but you have to taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you believe he's good, yeah. you wanna know the kind of instruction he has for your life. Yeah. I think that it's interesting to me that we have a God who says to us, okay, if you wanna be first, put yourself last, mm-hmm. right? If, if, be careful, don't set your, seat yourself right at the head of the table. You wanna be back here because eventually that thing. Mm-hmm. So God's gonna, he's gonna exalt those who humble themselves and he's gonna humble those who exalt themselves. So the way to be happy is to do everything that's just on the opposite of the happiness. And like, I'm gonna gain this thing, buy this thing, have this. It's actually trying to move away from those things and in moving away from those things, you get the, fulfillment that you're really looking for. And that would be a thing, right? That would be a thing if God said, hey, you go do this. I'm the, I'm the creator of the macro and here's my command to you, so go do this. But the reality is he put himself last. Mm-hmm. He humbled himself. So we have a God that is unique in that, that not only says here's how to be happy, but he displayed it in coming for us in living that kind of fulfilling life in front of us so that we can look at it, see it and experience it 
and know it. And so I think our hope today is that you are, um, that you're living that reality out in your personal relationship uh, with Christ. I hope you're experiencing it through uh, people like Fody and people like uh, Ed's friend who hopefully is still on a path, right? Towards learning that, figuring out, applying it, receiving it um, in his own life, that you're living that out, that you have this understanding that really happiness is a byproduct of God being the priority in your life. And that even in the middle of difficult seasons when the leaves are gone and the wind is battering, right, the branches of your life, that you'll have this sense that there's purpose and meaning and value in everything that God's doing. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to be here today, joining up uh, and uh, looking at Psalm 1 together. Let's pray. God, I... um, my initial inclination as a human is to pray that you would make us happy people. And yet, from a human perspective, I know, God, what that means at times is not the best for me. It's not the best for us. And so, God, what we really wanna pray today is that you will make us satisfied people, satisfied with you, with what you have done for us, with what you have given, with the way that you are pouring yourself into us now, and that God, that we would be a joyful reflection of you to the world, um, to a world really, God, that's reaching for that moving target um, that they're really never going to lay hold of and that they're never going to grasp. I pray, God, that that consistent movement of contentment would be true um, in our lives. Thank you, God, for the ways um, that you are walking with us. Certainly, God, we're grateful for the ways that you're blessing us. We're not entitled to any of those. We don't deserve any of those, but in your kindness and your generosity, you're good to us. And we are grateful for you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us today, for taking the opportunity to be with us. If you would like to take the step today of following Christ, whatever platform you're watching, there's a next steps button. There, if you're watching on Apple TV or Roku, you can go to lifepointohio.com forward slash watch to click on any of the buttons uh, that I'm about to talk about. But most importantly, is that next steps button. If you would like to engage a conversation about um, taking the next step towards baptism, towards publicly declaring your faith, if you'd like to share a prayer request with us, or if you'd like to let us know that today was the day that you received the, uh, that you received Uh, the gift of salvation that's offered to us in the person uh, of Christ, empowered, like Ed said, by his his resurrection. We would love to help you in that. We've written uh, a book for you uh, called Your Next 30 Days. It'll help you to know where to go from here in that relationship. Um, If you'll just take a second and fill out that card by clicking on that next steps uh, button. If you're our guest, we certainly appreciate you taking the opportunity to be with us. There's a guest info button there in both locations. Take the opportunity. It'll take you less than a minute to fill that out. There are four ministries listed there that we are already partnered with. You choose one of the four, whichever one is closest to you. We'll make an additional $5 donation in your honor if you'll just choose one of those so you can do something good and kind just by being with us today. For those of you who are regular attenders, And members, we're always grateful for your generosity and the way that you share and the resources that God um, has given to you. And if you'll click on the online giving button, if you would like to give your tithes and offerings today, um, you can take that step there as well. We hope that you will walk um, this week in the pattern of Christ, um, exalt him in your life and allow him to exalt you 
then in due time, and that you'll take a second now and worship with us again. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none besides you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, everything for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. He is worthy. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, all for you. We sing, holy, there is no one like you. There is none besides you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show.
to the 